Major support for Out to Lunch is provided by the law firm of Jones Walker, established in 1937 with over 375 attorneys in offices throughout the U.S., providing a comprehensive range of services to a local, national, and international client base. JonesWalker.com. And by Shorten Associates, legal recruiters in Louisiana and Texas. And by Orange Theory Fitness. From Commander's Palace Restaurant in the Garden District in New Orleans, we're out to lunch with Peter Raschuti. Peter Raschuti is Tulane University's A.B. Freeman School of Business professor and director of the award-winning Birkenrode Reports. It's business, New Orleans style. Hi, I'm Peter Raschuti. Welcome to Out to Lunch. Stop me if you've heard this one. Bill Gates walks into a bar. Actually, it's not a joke. It's a lesson about the definition of averages. Bill Gates walks into a bar... There's 20 people in there. The average net worth of everybody in the bar is now $5 billion. (laughs) In a similar manner, New Orleans business boosters like to say these days, New Orleans is the fastest growing tech city in the country. As of right now, it's technically true, thanks largely to the Bill Gates walks into a bar effect of a company called DXC Technology. DXC is the world's leading IT company. It employs 170,000 people in 70 countries. They have an annual revenue of more than $24 billion. In mid-2018, DXC took over what used to be the Freeport McMoran building across from the Superdome and opened an operation called the New Orleans Digital Transformation Center. We'll get to know how many thousands of jobs DXC is creating in a minute, but in the meantime, let me introduce you to the person responsible for hiring all these folks. He's the director and general manager of DXC Technologies New Orleans Digital Transformation Center, Terrell Boynton. Hi, Terrell. Welcome out to lunch. Thank you. Now, I don't mean to give the impression that DXC is the only technology game in town. Far from it. There are other New Orleans tech companies of a significant size. There are also very small tech companies, some of whom are doing groundbreaking work, like a company called Startup Food Biz. Startup Food Biz is an online step-by-step guide for any person who's starting up a food business. Whether it's a food truck in Louisiana or a chicken processing plant in Michigan, Startup Food Biz walks you through every legal and technical requirement that you need to comply with to set up your business. Now, it's reportedly the very first piece of business technology specifically designed for food businesses. The founder and president of Startup Food Biz is specialist food and beverage attorney Pat Morin. Pat, welcome out to lunch. Thanks for having me, Peter. Now, Terrell, although New Orleans is home to a lot of people in the tech industry, most of us here are really more familiar with the technical requirements of making a gumbo than the exact meaning of internet technology. So maybe you could start out with a sort of DXC for Dummies explanation of what it is you do at the New Orleans Digital Transformation Center. Great. Thanks, Peter. That's a question that I get asked often. Uh, but first, it starts with the talent that we have here in, in the area. You know, often when we look at the tech boom here in the region, and you look across the seven universities that we've partnered with, many of those students, when they graduate, they have no home, right? We, when we look at some of the smaller tech companies that are in the area, they often don't um, provide the opportunities um, for the student base to stay within the region. Uh, DXE saw that as an opportunity as well as to capitalize on the talent and curriculum development across universities such as LSU, Delgado, UNO, and others, and then be able to create curriculum development that allows those students to be aligned with digital transformation and the technology future that we're building here, not only in the city, but as well across the globe. Uh, What DXE specializes in is is 
putting in place end-to-end IT solutions. That means that we have um, what we consider unstructured thinking. Unstructured thinking is when the client doesn't know the particular outcome, and then we're going to walk them through a journey to define that into what we consider a structured outcome. And to do that, we end up combining talent with skills, developed and undeveloped, in order to put together a solution that provides a product or service from a minimal viable product. The Digital Transformation Center focuses specifically on finding solutions for business outcomes, not only for our clients and corporations, but as well as solving challenges that our clients may not even know. Patrick, you're an expert at which laws and regulations food and beverage companies need to comply with because you're a specialist food and beverage law attorney. Ironically, though, the startup business you're starting yourself, Startup Food Biz, is not a food business. It's a tech company. And it's not a typical online tech product in as much as it's not worldwide. There are different food business requirements from state to state and even sometimes permits that are unique to cities and counties. How are you approaching that? Are you starting with the most populous food states first, like Florida, New York, California, or do you have some other plan? Uh, that's a good question, and we do have another plan. Uh, we're starting out in the middle of the country, which is the opposite of what most tech companies do. We're starting our pilot program in Louisiana and Michigan, two uh, states that we found that had city centers but are very uh, uh, largely based on agriculture. So we decided we'd start with those two and then we're going to launch um, basically we're picking the other states right now. Um, a few of them are all going to be sort of in the Midwest area um, because we want to expand from the middle and go out. And obviously you're trying something very very different. Uh, let, me, let me just take as an example here and I'm going to give Terrell an example too. Uh, somebody comes to you with a, um, a new hot sauce and uh, they think it's really something special. Uh, what do they do? Now, first of all, they're not coming to you as Pat, Patrick, the attorney. They're coming to you as the startup business. That's correct. So I do a lot of pro bono work at uh, different food uh, startup organizations, nonprofits, that kind of thing. And what I'm finding is, is a lot of these people don't even know what they don't know. Um, and they can't even, a lot of them, their budget for legal is zero. So where are they going to get this information? And that's the problem I've been trying to solve because there's only so many of me to go around. And most food attorneys are located in the Washington, D.C. area, um, mostly because that's where everybody's headquartered there, the USDA, FDA, FTC, all that kind of stuff. So what we found for this product is, is we, we have an initial course. It's how to start your food business, about two and a half hour long course that walks you from you walk in the door to, you know, fake lawyer, and this is what you got to do. And this is the very end product at the end, is what, what will get you to. Now, one of the things uh, people don't think about is you, something doesn't just go from a good idea to being on the grocery shelves, which is good, I think, because somebody has to check this stuff out. Absolutely. Yeah, everything on that, you know, that label, the packaging, all of that is governed by federal regulations. Um, even the font size on that label is governed by, yeah, I have to get out there with a ruler sometimes and measure the differences between the different fonts uh, because that is governed. Uh, the nutritional label is very important. A lot of people just think they can buy something online or copy another product and they find themselves in hot water. And Terrell, a similar kind of question, just as an example for us, uh, let's say a woman on the West Bank has five uh, warehouse terminals and she wants to expand to another five but she realizes Technologically, she's got a lot of catching up to do. What happens then? You walk in the door and what? 
Yeah, you know, I, I think one, when we look at what we say is start, um, you know, think big, start small. Um, so I think one, some of the similarities in the business practices is that DXE focuses on the business outcome, right? So if we have someone that needs to go through a digital transformation, they have a larger vision of what they want their business, to, um, you know, in a direction or a path that they want to take. And Terrell, they could be doing okay or they could be Luddites, right? I mean, at this point, yeah, they, they may, you might be just introducing them to brave That's new right. world. Yeah. But, but often it starts with some of the emerging technologies. Right. When you, I call it the Rosetta Stone. Often you need a company that can provide you the Rosetta Stone for some of the emerging technologies. Um, terminals are a thing of the past. You know, how do you move that into the cloud? How do you use technologies such as um, you know, our cloud platforms, AWS and Azure, to be able to streamline your business? How do you test that, validate that with a small, uh, minimal viable product that allows you to validate that that proof of concept and that idea is the right approach? That's where someone that comes in with the idea, we can structure that into an approach that says, here's a path for it to grow your enterprise. Here's a path for it to integrate that into the technology and take advantage of some of those emerging technologies in a smaller uh, validation uh, proof of concept. That's where you know, DXC and the digital transformation centers are shining and showing up differently across the industry is that we provide a test bed or an opportunity for technology to integrate emerging technologies to support businesses. And, and Patrick, on your side, you have, um, you know, we hear, we hear a lot about the other parts, like there's uh, commercial kitchens in town that allow somebody to kind of work it out and such. But I think, do they start up not knowing, exactly what you said, not knowing what they don't know? Uh, they, or do people get overwhelmed because this would be a great town to start up food businesses. I mean, this is what we do is we eat and make stuff. We do eat and make stuff. Um, but unfortunately, we don't make a lot of uh, packaged goods here. And that's the difference. New Orleans is a restaurant town. It's not a packaged food town. We could be. We could be. The problem is we don't have the infrastructure right now. Um, I know there's some initiatives in place, but currently the, the closest uh, co-packer, which is a uh, on-demand manufacturer, is located in Norco. That's the closest yeah, right. one to the city. And after that, it's LSU at their incubator on, on, on campus. So a lot of entrepreneurs, like, I cannot you know, drive an hour and a half you know, to Norco and back, because I work all day. And it's just not feasible. So where do we go? Well, right now, the city is working on a uh, uh, private uh, public partnership to develop um, a uh, co-packer here in the city. Uh, they've already earmarked the land, um, but there's been no development as of yet going forward. And a co-packer would be, you're making the, you've designed the food, everything else, but you just outsourced the packing? Yeah, it's like white labeling, you know, so you say, hey, I have a hot sauce, here's my recipe uh, for one bottle, can you help me scale it to uh, a million bottles in your production line? And so they work with you because they have in-house um, um, uh, technology and, and also experience from taking that little bitty formula to a huge production formula. You're listening to Out to Lunch, I'm Peter Raschuti, I'm talking with Patrick Morin, founder and president of Startup Food Biz. And Terrell Boynton, the director and general manager of DXC Technologies, New Orleans Digital Transformation Center. And Terrell, uh, companies that come to New Orleans, you know, most of them just fall in love with the town, but admit it's a very different place. Uh, have you have you adjusted? Is DXC technology adjusted? Is it is it different than you thought it was going to be? Uh, you know, I, I think the diversity and the difference is exactly what we're looking for. Uh, when we look at the way that we put together uh, scrum teams or agile teams to go and support development, 
uh, one of the, the first keys for innovation is to have differences within your team, diversity within your team. Uh, problems can't always be solved in the same method. Uh, so by you know, being engaged in a, a city that brings so much diversity, we're able to provide different uh, opinions and objectives and views on how we go about solving and developing. Uh, so I think from that perspective, we've been able to provide a lot of added benefits to how we go about solving problems. Uh, you know, as far as adjusting, uh, as you said, New Orleans is quite a different city, but um, the city has been more than accommodating and finding ways to help um, not only our leaders, but then our employees, um, you know, adjust to, to the city. Uh, when we look at our, our base, uh, most of our employees uh, here in the, in the Digital Transformation Center are age 25 to 35. Uh, so in general, we're targeting the base of developers that would traditionally go to California, you know, New Jersey, you know, um, you know Seattle, um, and, and New York. And you did more than just kind of tap the uh, workforce here. You're developing it. You gave a lot of money to the universities, and uh, so, uh, you know, that's a very different approach. That's right. It's key. When you look at some of the emerging technologies, you're not going to find someone with seven years of uh, data engineering experience on Hadoop. Um, you know, many of those technologies were, um, you know, became popular and used over the last four years. Uh, so to be able to have an experienced candidate coming out of the universities that are doing augmented reality, virtual reality, and applying that to how you can use those drone technologies within the oil and gas um, industry, we find the best talents coming out of those colleges and universities. Um, here we're able to pair that with some deep level knowledge um, as a subject matter expert. And then when we look at those cross-offering or cross-service teams where we say we need to have a multi-skilled individual, now we have someone that may not have uh, you know, utilized those emerging technologies, paired with someone that's a data SME, and now we have a blended team that's multi-skilled that has diversity, uh, brings the right expertise, and can go solve problems extremely quickly for our clients. Now, Patrick, the part that of your end that really grabbed me, I guess because I teach in the university, is you have courses. Yes. And uh, what are some of the, like, the names of the subjects? What would... Well, uh, the initial one I, I mentioned was, you know, how to start a food business. So that's basically soup to nuts, everything. Then there's more specific courses. Uh, so we have uh, how to do, uh, comply with FDA labeling requirements, uh, how to comply with the USDA, which is... So totally... how to start a food truck. How to start a food truck is another one. I, have you figured out what the, how big the market is? I mean, you offer that class or you give a lecture... Is it, uh, are people showing up? Yeah, I mean, that one is a new one that we've put on there, uh, so we haven't had much traction yet, uh, mostly because we have to, you know, market it, right, and that right. takes yes, time yeah. as well. <laughs> um, and there's only a few of us right now, so... Uh, I, I would think once people heard about this, and then you all have a friend, everybody's got a friend that's been, that's been boiling around in his head for, for years. Absolutely. And, and the, the, a lot of the resources that we've found in our research online are, are not from a legal perspective. They're uh, somebody that may have started a food truck and are giving, you know, selling their advice, or somebody that's taking uh, an opportunity and, and picking uh, other people's work apart and putting it together, but don't really have any expertise in the field. So a website and, and, the, and the videos and the actual classes, you can't really offer much... Which well, we also uh, we plan to roll out also custom contracts and forms uh, for the, uh, tailored to those specific injury, uh, industries. So, for instance, you mentioned a food truck. Uh, there's supply agreements that they have to have with their their uh, you know, their produce and whatever. So we would tailor those contracts specifically for those businesses. 
Uh, again, those are not offered online either, uh, because if you go to a do-it-yourself uh, type website, a LegalZoom, a Rocket Lawyer, you read those and they're different fonts, they're different jurisdictions, and they never apply to the business that you are. Daryl and Patrick, this is the part of the show we call the checklist. I have a list of 43 random questions in front of me. I'm going to ask you to pick a number from 1 to 43 and do your best to come up with an answer. Uh, Terrell, I'll start with you. What, what number do you want? Let's go with seven. What's your trick for staying positive? You know, one is that, you know, when we're dealing with the ever-changing environment, especially in business, you know, I always approach things just from a logical standpoint to, to, to help myself stay positive. One is bad news is just news. Good news is simply news, right? The thing that we control is our attitude, and we can control how we approach the problem, right? By internalizing it that way, I also, you know, communicate to my team, you know, as a leader, that if we interpret the news that we receive, good or bad, as simply an outcome that we need to achieve, then we can work to that outcome. And, and in that process and approach, it really starts calming the mind, right? It starts calming that, you know, it, when you start taking self-awareness you know, and you have the self-control that you're the one that controls the outcome, then you have a, a positive view and a positive outcome because you control it. Often we feel negative feelings when we uh, have a view that we don't control the outcome. As long as we control the outcome and we feel that we have the power to control that outcome, then we can lead ourselves to a positive um, experience and a positive outcome. Now, Patrick, give me a number, 1 to 43. Ooh, let's try 28. 28. Oh, okay, that's good. What's the best career advice you've ever been given? So I got it from my father years and years ago. Um, I think I was going into the Marines at the point. And, did you do that? That was I did. Part I, of it. Yeah. So I was uh, I served five years in the Marines before I went to law school. Um, spent almost two years in Iraq. Um, so that was a different experience as well. But uh, that makes food trucks seem easy, I guess. Absolutely. Actually, made law school seem easy. <laughs> uh, well, he said to me, "He goes, be your own boss." Never knew what that meant. My father was a, a career journalist, uh, worked for many papers, Wall Street Journal, New York Times, and uh, he went on his own when I was a kid uh, to do uh, uh, public relations work. And he worked seven days a week, never saw him for like two years. Um, but I didn't, at the, you know, when he was on his deathbed, you know, he said, remember when I told you, you know, be your own boss? He goes, I might not have a million dollars, you know, when I'm dying here, but he goes, I couldn't have been happier in my choice. I can never work for anybody ever again. And it wasn't until I went out on my own as a lawyer after I worked at a couple major law firms in Boston, uh, Nashville, and, and Detroit that uh, I realized that that hard work actually does pay off in the end. And uh, I don't think I could ever go back to working for somebody else again. Boy, what a great message. And Terrell, this, here in New Orleans and all through the state of Louisiana, we've had some situations where the state tried to bring somebody in or the city, and it never quite led to the, uh, the job creation and the positives that people had thought. How should you view your progress? Is there a timeline we're supposed to look at? Or? Well, you know, if we look at the overall timeline, it was that we would hire, you know, uh, 2,000 employees over the next five years. Um, you know, we're one year in and we're closing in on 300 employees that we'll have in place before March 31st, which, which is a great accomplishment uh, to the engagement across the universities and the city um, and the state, um, you know, uh, as a whole. 
Uh, if we look at the progress, the true measure of progress will be the ability for us to uh, train and develop those employees quickly and engage them on um, client engagements that generate revenue for the company, uh, which, is, which is our internal engagement. Um, and then I think from a personal engagement, which is a, something that truly matters uh, to many of the leaders uh, here at the center, is that we are able to gamefully employ you know, graduates as well as individuals that have gone through their own transformation of technology um, or reskilling and that we're able to provide them opportunities to stay gainfully employed um, as we grow our company um, here out of Louisiana. Now, tech companies come in all sizes, uh, from the world's leading company, DXC, to a single-person startup like Startup Food Biz. Uh, Terrell and Patrick, you're both playing very different but equally vital parts in building the New Orleans tech industry. It's been a pleasure to meet you. Thank you both for taking the time today to join me for Out to Lunch. Great. Thanks for having us. My guests on Out to Lunch today have been Terrell Boynton. He is the Director and General Manager of DXC Technologies New Orleans Digital Transformation Center and Patrick Morin, Founder and President of Startup Food Biz. You can find out more about DXC and Startup Food Biz by following the links on our website, itsneworleans.com. The producer of our show is Grant Morris. Our technical producer is Eric Merle and our researcher is Maggie Mendel. You can listen to the show and to past episodes of Out to Lunch wherever you get podcasts, including Spotify, and at itsneworleans.com. If you want to know what we look like, you can find photos from this show on itsneworleans.com and It's New Orleans Facebook page. These photos were taken today by Jill LaFleur. You can find more of Jill's photos at lafleurphoto.com. Out to Lunch is a production of INO Broadcasting for itsneworleans.com and WWNO 89.9 FM. I'm Peter Raschuti. Thanks for joining me. I look forward to meeting you again next week around the table here at Commander's Palace for more business New Orleans style on Out to Lunch. Out to Lunch is recorded live over lunch at Commander's Palace in New Orleans. Commander's Palace serves lunch Monday to Friday, jazz brunch on Saturday and Sunday with live music, and dinner seven nights a week. Mitchell Foreman wrote and performs all the music on Out to Lunch. You can hear Mitchell's music anywhere great jazz is sold or streamed and at MitchellForeman.com. Major support for Out to Lunch is provided by the law firm of Jones Walker, established in 1937 with over 375 attorneys in offices throughout the U.S., providing a comprehensive range of services to a local, national, and international client base. JonesWalker.com. And by Shorten Associates, legal recruiters in Louisiana and Texas. And by Basics Swimming Gym and Basics Underneath Fine Lingerie, the It's New Orleans Happy Hour podcast. And by Orange Theory Fitness. 